Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Die Hard Hoops podcast. Your host, one of the co-hosts, Taylor Kramer, alongside Stephen Kramer, the big bro. We're going to quickly outline for you guys what our initial reactions were to some of the seedings, uh, more more, uh, particularly Michigan State and Michigan. And then maybe give some some loose predictions, but probably more just general conversation over the the landscape that is this 2021 NCAA bracket. So, big bro, where did your mind go as Selection Sunday was was unfolding? Yeah, I was a little nervous. We talked about Michigan State, you know, being on the the cusp, and boy, were they on the cusp as they got. I know that it's not technically the right word, but they got put in one of the play-in games, and you know, I knew they were going to be in that category, but man, I got a couple complaints. There's a, there's a couple teams here that should not have been put ahead of Michigan state. And I'm going to give you one. And I know you have at least one as well, but the one for me is the one that I mentioned on the last podcast episode. I mentioned Rutgers. If Rutgers gets in, I was like, Michigan state is getting in for sure. They're a better team. They've only won one more game than Michigan State, but you look at the line of work that Michigan State's wins have come under. Instead of Rutgers gets in, Michigan State's a shoe in for sure. Well, not only did Rutgers get in, but they got seated ahead of Michigan State, a 10 seed. Obviously, Michigan State not only got an 11 seed, but they have to play in for that essentially first round game. And so that that was something that, you know, punched to the gut again, as, as I felt like Michigan state has been somewhat wronged over one of the past decade or so. Yeah, I, I hear you. And here's what I'm going to say about the Rutgers thing is because I personally don't think there's a ton of critical thinking happening on that committee. And so when they look at that and they think, Oh, Michigan state lost pretty handily to Rutgers, they can just pass that off pretty easily. And whether that's right or wrong, I I do think that's wrong. Michigan State has shown that they can beat the best teams in the country. Um, For me, what bothered me was the Syracuse decision. So they're using all these different metrics, um, most of which people really struggle to understand, myself included. And the one that they really lean heavily on, it seems like, is the net, which I think is essentially a compilation of all the wins that you have and adding in, you know, how how much did you win those games by? And Michigan state did not fare well in that net. They've had some pretty big losses and they've also had quite a few losses, but Syracuse has one win all season against a top 30 opponent. Michigan state has three wins in the last two weeks against top five teams in the country. And it's just that that's what bothered me the most is that, um, Syracuse, in a lot of ways, they they have these early seasons much the same way that Duke does. So Duke gets invited to a lot of invitationals where they're going to play, you know, some of the bigger teams from from other conferences. But after that, they go back to Duke Cameron Indoor Stadium and they hole up for about the next month and start bringing in junior varsity teams from the local high schools to play. Syracuse does a lot of that same stuff. And so those are the things that bother me is when Michigan State, it's always been their their way of going about it is to say, let's schedule the toughest teams possible so we know where we truly stand at the end of the year 
And we can leave no doubt in the committee's mind that they can understand what they're getting with us. And that can backfire on certain years. It backfires on years like this, where the Big Ten is then uh, super good. We had uh, actually a pretty good non-conference schedule or record, but then the Big Ten was just this, this gauntlet. And so I'll just end by saying Michigan State has a, has a history of, of getting a little bit screwed by the committee. And when Barnhart or whoever the representative was comes on the screen and is asked, hey, what, what's up with Michigan State? That took us uh, by surprise. He says, well, we really thought it'd be fun to kick off the tournament with a game between them and UCLA. Ha ha. I say that facetiously. No, dude, you cannot. It was serious. You can't say a joke like that when you just gave two paragraphs of nothing explaining why Michigan state was seated the way that they were. And it was, it, it wasn't a joke. He's being dead serious. They want eyes from Los Angeles and they know that Michigan state has a decent following too. And so they put those teams in this late game slate and um, it was, it was undeserved. I mean, Michigan state deserves to be seated where they're seated. They're at about a 10 or 11. They do not deserve to be the play in team. So yes, that upset me. I'm going to have to hose you down, bring out the, the fire hose, bring out the fire truck, bring out the fire extinguisher. Yes, this is heated. You should also see your face. It is bright, bright red. All right, let's, let's change topics. Okay. Let's look at the brackets as a whole. Let's look at some overall thoughts. We're not going to give the picks. We'll save that for another podcast. I like to marinate on the bracket until essentially Wednesday night or early Thursday morning before I really say, okay, put my stamp on it. This is it. So let's look at the East region. That's the one where number one seed university of Michigan is there loud and proud. What are some thoughts on that regional? So I was just listening to a podcast. I don't know if you read any of Graham Couch's stuff, but he has a podcast along with one of his buddies and I was listening to what he had to say. And he was like, man, Michigan, they, even though Illinois passed them technically at the end of the season in terms of, you know, what does the committee appreciate? What, what level are they at? Michigan got a great draw. Like that region I think is really good for them. I think that every team that's in that region, they're going to be capable of beating. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, um, especially if livers is out. But I think that, I'm still putting them as the favorite to come to come out of that. Now that doesn't mean I'm not going to put Michigan state down in my final four, but um, if I'm being real, if I'm being realistic, I think that you still have to look at that East region and think that that Michigan is the favorite, even without livers. I agree. Um, the one thing they're going to go to the sweet 16, you know, with, you know, with half, half, whatever it is they got, they're going to go to sweet 16 Florida state. They could possibly meet in the sweet 16. That's a tough team. The ACC has been down from years past, but Florida state, you have to buckle up and bring the hard hat. If you're going to beat them, they will not beat themselves. Extremely physical, tough, aggressive, very athletic. Their struggle at certain points can be the fact that they can go cold for stretches of the game, which, you know, they just, just, sometimes they don't put up enough points that could be uh, a tough game. That's going to be a tough game. Um, 
Well, I agree. Looking at the bottom half of the bracket, Texas, Alabama. I mean, Alabama is coming in and hot as is Texas. So, I mean, you, you have teams that are kind of riding some momentum. So I think that's, what's interesting is this is like Alabama won their SEC tournament. You have Texas who won the big 12 tournament. And so you have teams that are playing their best basketball of the season at the right time. And so when I, I agree with Graham in the sense like I look at this board and I'm saying, yeah, they got a pretty good draw. But some of the teams that are in here are absolutely playing the best basketball that they played all year right now. That's a dangerous, that's a dangerous thing. You're playing with fire a little bit um, when it comes to when it comes to that. And I'll be honest, I don't think Michigan is playing the best that it's played all year right now. And you got the injury thrown in. So that's something I think to be concerned about as a Michigan fan is, is my team playing the best at this time? I personally don't think that, that they are. You want to jump to a different regional region? Let's jump to the West because I think that's another one that may be the most chalk in my opinion. Um, that's the Gonzaga Gonzaga regional. So what do you, what stood out to you? And what well, I can't, I apologize. Michigan state, right. Is Michigan state's in the Michigan regional. Yes. What are your initial thoughts with them playing UCLA and then BYU? I, I don't hate it. Now you don't, you never want to have to play more games. It's just more risk of losing. So I, I, Again, I don't like that they're in that position to have to play that playing game against a storied program. Um, but I, I don't hate those matchups. I actually think that, you know, they could beat UCLA and then they could beat BYU. And I think a matchup with Texas would be would be pretty tough. But again, like if they can somehow string together some consistency, it's not like this it wasn't at one time a top team in the country. So anything could happen, but I, I do like them getting past those first two games, at least. Mm -hmm. As, as do I, um, I don't see them, you know, I have trouble because I almost at minimum, I usually pick Michigan state to go to the sweet 16, if not win the whole thing, but sweet 16 is almost like my automatic Michigan state fan pick that I always pick them to go to at least to the sweet 16, man, they just have so many droughts. I don't know if I can, I'll pick one win that first two. I don't know about the the Texas game, especially with as good as Texas looked as they won the the Big 12. We'll see. I got to think. I got a couple of days yet. Moving on to the West Regional. My thoughts, make it real quick. This is the easiest regional out of all of them. Those are my thoughts. Oh, that's it. <laughs> you don't have more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's I, was, I think Gonzaga, I mean, they, I'm, I'm looking through and I'm like, okay, they're going to be Norfolk or Appalachian state. They're going to be Oklahoma or Missouri. Then they're looking at like a Creighton, Virginia, Ohio, whoever comes out of there. Virginia doesn't scare me at all this year. So now they're in the elite eight. Like, I think they're going to walk to the elite eight. And okay. then they're going to have a, a tough game. I think it's going to be against Iowa. You, know, you play a three-seeded Kansas. I haven't been impressed with Kansas this year. So 
I mean, I, I think that one's going to be a little chalk as far as I can see Gonzaga and, and Iowa playing. And I, I think Gonzaga has too much athleticism for Iowa to handle. They're going okay. to the final four. Okay. Yeah. I think that that's going to actually be a pretty tough one for me to figure out because I could see a world in which Luca Garza just goes nuclear and the rest of the country is, is finding out like what the big 10 had to deal with in him all year. And Iowa has a pretty well-rounded team, especially if wise camp can come back too. Um, but I, I, I would still say that I'm probably going to put Gonzaga in that final four. But what's interesting about this region is that there's a lot of great coaches here. And it's almost like in, in March, you have to sometimes look less at the players and more at the coaches. And so you have Gonzaga with a great coach, Virginia, Tony Bennett's a champion, Kansas. And then it could be argued, you know, does Iowa have a great coach? I'm not a huge Fran McCaffrey fan, but they have a good team. So that is something though, that I think they have a lot of good coaches in that regional and, and they might have something to say about how this all turns out. So Where are we what, at? what comes with that? What comes with the thought of, you know, you talked about the coaches. So what's a somewhat of a prediction, nothing final, but what's a prediction for that? Well, I really like Iowa, but I think Gonzaga is the favorite. So I'm going to definitely have them them meeting up is what I'm saying. Okay. No, no further than that. Okay. Nothing further than that right, right now. You're not giving me any, you're not giving me any Samuel. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's move across the bracket to the South regional. And it, you know, it's funny that these are all labeled, you know, West South because they're all in Indianapolis. You know, they, I wonder if they should have just called them, Bracket A, bracket B, bracket C, bracket D. Not as much fun that way. So Baylor won the number one seed for that bracket. What are your thoughts? To be honest, I don't know much about Baylor. Um, I can I can imagine that they're an athletic team. They've been winning games all year. Uh, I, I, I really like, I'm going to lean heavily towards favoring the Big Ten teams just because we've beaten up on each other so much. I think Ohio State, has has everything that you would want in a team. So they have some post presence with Liddell. They have really good guard play. It's kind of up and down, but but Washington can go off. And I think for that regional, I am jumping ahead on this, but I think that I'm going to pick Ohio State to be in the final four on that side. And the thing about Purdue is that I could actually see them knocking a team like Baylor off. So, you know, big aspirations for this Baylor team. I think they're a number one seed for the first time in school history. And I could see Purdue giving them all that they, all that they want. We also have Villanova in that regional too. And they had an unfortunate injury. I think it was their point guard. He might be their shooting guard. And they were, they were playing pretty well, uh, but a great coach there and still some pieces of a good team. So I think that that regional, just looking at it, that could be a tough one to try to predict. I think there's going to be some strange things that are happening in the South regional. I agree. If there's a, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, listen, if there's going to be a bracket that's going to get shaked and baked a little bit, I think it's going to be your South regional. Um, you know, looking Baylor got, they got a tough draw. I mean, okay, you're going to win your first game. Then you get to play North Carolina or Wisconsin. No, thank you. Who would want to play either one of those? Like that's going to be your, just to go to the Sweet 16, you have to beat one of those teams. Nobody wants to play the style of play that Wisconsin does. 
And North Carolina has a ton of large people on that team that they can they can throw at you. Baylor's good. They're fast. They're athletic. They have size. But talk about a, a tough draw. Um, you know, Villanova, unfortunately, they, they have the injury, and it's not going to be the only time that we're hearing, you know, unfortunately, of, of things going on with certain teams with injuries, hopefully no COVID issues for, for the teams heading in. Um, and then as, as you start to look through the bottom half of, of that bracket, then I look at Ohio State's draw and I say, Ohio State got it pretty good. Like if I was Baylor, I would actually want to be where Ohio State is compared to the, the draw that they have. Um, so Ohio State is, I hate to say this, but they're one of the most entertaining Big Ten teams to watch this year. Every time Ohio State is playing, I'm, you know, sometimes you watch a game, you're like really watching the game. Sometimes it's on in the background. But whenever Ohio State is on, even if I meant to have it on in the background, I end up being glued to the TV. They just, just the way that they play, how hard they play, the way that they play together is essentially how basketball is meant to be played. And um, I think they're doing a lot of things right as they head into head into the year. Can I say one thing? Yeah. Did we talk? Did we talk about the last second shot that Michigan took? Hey, I'll give you a minute or two right now because I know that um, that you got some thoughts. In fact, you sent me a voice message outlining how frustrated you were by that. So here, and we'll send the clip to Juwan. Here we go. Juwan, I'm sure he knows this, but listen. When you are down one, you get to the mic. When you are down one, let's say you have 20 seconds left, which is about what Michigan had. When you're down one, you do not hold the ball and take the last second shot. That's what Michigan did. When you're losing, you stretch the game out as long as you possibly can. When you're losing. That's why teams foul at the end of games. You need to stretch it and you need to give yourself a chance to come back in. Meaning the more possessions and the more shots they have to take the lead, the better probability they have of making one of those shots and winning the game. So when you dribble the entire game clock out and then take a a step back three, that has a very low probability of you winning that game. You need to take the best quick early shot that you can And if you make it, now you're playing to get a stop and win the game. And if you miss that shot, you give yourself a chance to get an offensive rebound and get another shot. And if you miss that shot and don't get the rebound, then you can foul. And at that point, they were only down one. Other team goes down, they make zero, one, or two free throws. You're still in great shape. You have another possession to try to win the game or tie the game once again. And that's how it goes. You want that 20 seconds to last as long as possible when you're down and you want it to go as fast as possible when you're up. And they literally did exactly what the opponent would want you to do in that situation, which is usually not a great idea. And on the voicemail, I gave you this example, 1998, the GOAT, MJ, Michael Jordan. They're playing the Utah Jazz game six. He knows he can bring the clock down to the last second if he so chooses. So, and, and we, we had the chance to watch the last dance a little bit. And so we got to hear a little bit of MJ's, you know, thoughts heading into the shot. So he's talking about, 
I had to wait for the opportunity, the opening of when I could make my, my move and then take advantage of it. But here's the thing that you need to know. That was not a buzzer beating shot. There were, I don't know, was it like six seconds left on the clock? It was, it was something like that. Let's think about that. Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time, the most clutch player of all time. And even he, in a very similar situation, shot it with time on the clock because he knows that if you take that shot with zero on the clock and you miss it, the game is over. But if he misses that shot against Utah, there's still six seconds left on the clock. They can get offense rebound. They can foul. They can go back down the free throw and get another chance to score it. And so that, that's just the, the IQ part of the game um, that really befuddled me. And I was just really surprised to see that at such a high-level game. Me too, man. I was watching watching it in disbelief. I got a quick, quick basketball question for you. Why is it that teams seem to be so inclined to refuse to throw it in the post at the end of games? Is it because like, what are they afraid of? Why are you afraid with 20 seconds to try to get Hunter Dickinson the ball on the block and let him do something with it? That, that, there's a lot of great basketball minds out there and last second shots always come down to the guards. I'm curious why, why you think that is. That's a, it's a great question. Um, and I wish I knew the right answer. I don't have, I don't have an answer. I have a few thoughts. Um, I think that from what we've seen and how the game's been officiated, when you catch the basketball in the post, you can get the crap kicked out of you and they're not going to call a foul. So, but if you're on the perimeter and you're facing, they're trying to get some contact, you're more likely to draw a foul. Two, when you're on the perimeter, you're facing the basket. Essentially, you can see the other nine players out on the court which you can't necessarily do with your back to the basket in the post. So there is definitely some benefit to having it on the outside, looking in from that perspective, just being able to see and read all the defense from there. But I'm with you. I think the ball should with, with that said, and I just gave you two solid reasons why the ball should stay on the perimeter. I think that the ball should go into the post more often because it doesn't mean that you're not going to get it foul call there are a handful of really good post players in today's game many of them play in the big 10 and so as you look at that last possession with michigan for example yeah why not throw it into the post and see what what can happen you're also very close to the basket for that shooter usually if you shoot it you have the best idea where it's going to go if you miss it so you have some offensive rebounding opportunities around the basket um so I wish teams went more to the post in general. Uh, I think the game is trending that way, which is great to see. We're seeing some more balance. But at the end of games, we see this a lot at the NBA level. There's so much perimeter play, step back three, perimeter play, step back three. And that's, that's not winning basketball tradition. You at least want to attack the paint, get into the mid-range, contract the defense, then you can kick it out an inside-out shot is a higher percentage um, shot than one that's off the dribble. If the defense doesn't step up, you're one step away from getting all the way to the rim. You got your dump down opportunities. 
Um, there, there's a lot of things that can happen when we put pressure on the defense. So you can put pressure on defense on the dribble drive, put pressure on the defense with the post up. But when we essentially just shoot a step back, fade away as the clock's winding down, it, you're more so just hoping the ball goes in than giving yourself, I think, all the advantages that you could. My opinion, again, doesn't mean it's right or wrong, just my opinion. I hear you. Yeah, you don't want to do a, a Dame Lillard impression and uh, forget to make it. So let's move to this Midwest region. What are your thoughts? I tell you what, I've really enjoyed watching Illinois play this season. I like their colors. Reminds me of Hope College where I played. I'm looking at their their bracket. And I know I said Gonzaga might have the, the easiest path. This one I feel like is pretty close. Like the, when you look at this bracket, Taylor, is there any team that really, really stands out and scares you? So I was going up and down this list and I was like, ah, this might be the easiest one. The only, the only thing that gives me pause is Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham. I think, again, there might be a world that exists where this dude can go off and say, you know, I'm the, I'm the undisputed number one pick and I'm a six, eight guard and I'm just going to control every aspect of every game that I'm playing in this tournament. Uh, but with that said, we very rarely see freshmen succeed like at the highest level on this stage, like a, like a Carmelo Anthony. It's, it's just so rare. Like we get a lot of these great players, but even like Anthony Davis, he was surrounded by other five stars and he didn't really have a great national championship game. He played great defensively. Um, but it wasn't like he was dominating both ends of the, of the game throughout the entire tournament. And so I think that this is a relatively easy regional. And I think Illinois has the potential to, I wouldn't want to say cruise. You never cruise in March, but, but cruise to this, uh, to this final four spot. And I did say cruise. They're going to end up in the final four. That's who I'm picking. This pause is brought to you by Kramer basketball. <laughs> you good? <laughs> the, the other team that stood out to me was West Virginia. And I don't know if it's because I live close to West Virginia or what, but um, I've seen them play quite a few times this year and I like their team. They have inside play, outside play, you know, Bobby Huggins, they're going to bring their hard hat, very physical. Um, they can beat you in a slugfest. They can beat you in a little more high tempo, fast paced game. Uh, the question mark for them a lot of times has been execution in close games. Um, I think they'll, they'll have the tendency to just not find that right play or shot when they need it. Um, but that's not a team that you want to play. Um, so I don't know a thing about Houston as the two seed. Um, but I, I would pick West Virginia to be playing Illinois with a trip to the final four online. And do you, have you gotten to watch Cade Cunningham play at all this year or not much? Yeah, I have. I mean, not, not a ton, but I have, I have seen him play a couple times and he, he could be, you know, kind of one of those Dwayne Wade runs where he's just putting essentially like a triple double type games together. Um, I don't know. I, I can see them. I, I don't know if they have the inside play to be Illinois. Like Cade Cunningham, 
he's going to be the best perimeter player on the court. I mean, he's huge. He's long. They were comparing him to Paul George today on ESPN. I was like, man, they're kind of right. There's a lot of similarities here. So smooth. Um, But as far as the full roster of Oklahoma State compared to the size and depth of Illinois, um, Illinois can just beat you up on the glass and the boards. Uh, I I can see them kind of wearing down uh, an Oklahoma State team. Whereas, you know, I see like a West Virginia would actually be a, a much better matchup for a team like Illinois. Yeah, I think that you you do have to really like Illinois. I mean, they got the big dude down low. They got Dasunmu, who's I mean, he just looks doesn't he look like an NBA player in terms of his body and, and the way that he moves. And then they got the the wily veteran Trent Frazier as well that I think can hit some timely shots. So I'm actually really surprised that Illinois didn't win the Big Ten like outright this year. Uh, but not at all surprised that they just won the tournament. And if if momentum counts for anything. Like they got that momentum right now and they got players that I think could back it up as well. So yeah, I really like Illinois in that one. Um, Obviously I'll be rooting for a Syracuse loss by 30 points, but other than that, I'm not seeing a ton out of that regional. Yep. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm excited to um, continue to, to work on my bracket, pick out some of the finer details, a few of the upsets and I'll try to make sure that either we get on together or, I just give a few of my few of my picks and see, you know, how wrong I really was, you know, by the time Saturday comes around, because that's about all I had last year was after two days of the tournament, my bracket was already busted. So we'll see if I can last a little longer this year. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, it was two years ago now. And I remember that was two years ago. Yeah. yeah. That was a brutal, brutal stretch. Um, yeah. I, I think the other just kind of thing to end on is, as fans, we got to go into this. I'm just looking at it as like, we were so close to not being able to have the tournament again this year. You know, this, this virus stretched out a lot further than anybody thought. I'm just really excited that, that March is presenting this opportunity to be able to watch some college basketball. And I just hope that everybody stays safe, that we get to see as many of the great players as possible, that nobody's out with injuries or with COVID or any of that stuff. um, And that we can get a bit of normalcy back from this. Cause man, it is the best time of the year. No doubt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention one thing. Uh, apparently there was some miscommunication about some of my camps in Michigan, especially the thumb of Michigan um, that I was notified of today. So I, I, if you've heard any of this, there was a statement rolling around that Kramer basketball has not been approved to run camps in the state of Michigan which there is no board of approval for running basketball camps in in the state. Um, So we are absolutely running basketball camps in Michigan this year. I'm really excited to do so. As I mentioned before, the difference as of right now is if we go to school A and host a camp, it will only be for the students of school A. No students from other schools can, can come. We go to school C, only the students at school C can come. So we, there is no approval. There is no whatever camp MHSAA that says, okay, you can run a camp in Michigan. You can't. So I don't know where that, I don't know where that came from, but we're excited to be running some basketball camps in Michigan. They're just going to look a little bit different this year. 
Right on, man. I appreciate that clarification. And we appreciate you guys listening. I hope that stimulus check hits and you go buy a big screen TV so you can enjoy the next couple of weeks and uh, talk to you later. Peace.